Hello students, this is my first lecture. My name is, I guess now, Professor Caster. Uh, you can all call me Caster for short. Most folks do when I am under their employ. Perhaps some of you have heard of me. Anyone? Anyone? Well, I guess I imagine there are a lot of other Warcasters out there with a lot more impressive feats under their belt. Uh, a little bit about myself. I am from a little town near Burke in the nation of Ord. I grew up quick, like most born into the mercenary trade do, and started my spark with magic in my teens and became a full-fledged Warcaster and tactician in my mid-twenties. I have been contracted with many different nations all over Western Amorn, fighting in battles and lending my tactical aid in all sorts of engagements. I have fought in the open plains of Signar, froze my boots solid in the icy mountains of Kodor, burned to a crisp in the sand dunes of the Bloodstone Marches, and even waded through the withering fire while also wading through the marshes of Thornwood Forest. I have fought on both sides of many engagements, depending on my contracts, and survived to be standing here today, which, in my particular trade, becoming old is a blessing and a curse many do not get. When asked by Professor Nemo if I would like to assist him in his lectures on voltanic power and mechanical forms, I jumped at the chance to become a professor in history, lore, and tactics instead. So welcome to this multi-course lecture on the history, lore, and tactics of Western Immoran. Side note. Hello, my name is Chris, and if you are new, you may be wondering, where is Ord, or Kodor, or Signar, or what is a Warcaster? It will all be explained. Professor Caster is a character I have created for this course who lives in the world and will be your guide through Western Morn and the Iron Kingdoms, and you are now part of this role-playing game. You will be playing the part of another professor, someone who's familiar with the lore, a tactician, someone who plays the game sitting in the course, or a student eager to learn everything there is to know about the exhaustively in-depth world whose lore and history expands over multiple games including tabletop, through role-playing, and even multiple card games. All the readings and quotes are provided by the fantastic writers at Privateer Press, which own the rights to all this lore. I suggest you do check out their website and get into their War Machine, Hordes, Company of Iron, Riot Quest, and Iron Kingdom's role-playing games, respectively. All with different playing styles and rules. Check out all their lore books for fantastic art and even more in-depth guides for the hobby. Firstly, we will be going over the syllabus. Each week, we will be going over two different areas in the lore of the Iron Kingdoms, one being that of War Machines and the other Hordes, respectively, which are both two sides of the same coin. We will start by reading the lore provided by Privateer Press in the writings, then going over the stats, then we will discuss any tactics that are relevant to them, then we will discuss any of my experiences with or against them in the real world, or the world of Western Amoran and the Iron Kingdoms. In this course, we will be going over every Warcaster, Warlock, Warjack, Warbeast, Colossal, Gargantuan, Unit, Solo, and characters in the Iron Kingdoms, the War Machines, and the Hordes game, among other items such as theme forces and large-scale stories from the rulebooks. Also, if you want to learn how to play War Machines, Hordes, or Company of Iron, Privateer Press has provided all their rules on their website, along with all their stat cards that are free for download for easy access to play, or to set up your own gaming club if you don't already have one at your shop. Now first we'll be going over the world introduction of the Prime Rulebook. Reflections on the Iron Kingdoms written by Privateer Press is a series of short stories delving deep into the Western Immoran 
and some of the major factions and religions at work and major historical events in the kingdom. We will start by reading the welcome to the steam-powered miniatures combat. War Machines is a game of cunning strategy, brutal tactics, and epic clashes between armies of steam-powered warjacks, battle-hardened soldiers, and elite battle mages. The game is set in the Iron Kingdom, so where you'll find deft swordsmen fighting alongside skilled riflemen, and where powerful magic is just as present as cannonballs or battle axes. The Iron Kingdoms are rife with conflict, and the only the boldest heroes reign supreme. Alrighty, let's begin from Privateer Press's Reflection on the Iron Kingdoms. The Kingdom of Western Amorn are both young and old, a paradox that creates some tension within and between them. Each is rich in culture, tradition, pride, and potential bitter anemone. In the north stands the vast nation of Kodor, its lands noted mostly for the freezing bite of its ice-encased mountains, and less for its milder plains, rivers, lakes, and farmlands, and hills of its southern expansion. Kodorans have a long history as warriors and conquerors, having risen to dominate their rugged lands as well as any rivals they have encountered. East of Kodor, and enjoying its share of rugged, frozen peaks, is the dwarven nation of Rule. This unbroken civilization predates all human claims. Politically, Rule lacks the desire for war that consumes the human nations, although recent battles have lured many Rulic citizens forth to test their mettle as mercenaries. In the west is Ord, where I'm from, a small kingdom boasting hardy people, but not blessed with the abundance of resources. Ord is a a land of fog-shrouded moors, imposing hills, and a stretch of coastline boasting ports that are the pride of the nation. Northeast of Ward and south of Rule is Lael, once famed for its vineyards and clever merchants, but recently fallen to the foreign invasion. Lael has been aggressively claimed by Kodor, trotted by the boots of Signar soldiers, and occupied by zealots of the Protectorate of Minoth. Northern Crusades. Some few Lelys resist their conquerors, and there are those who still dream of freedom, but such dreams fade with each passing day. Just east of war-torn Lael lies the enigmatic nation of Ios, home of the elves, nestled in the vast forest valley between barrier mountains that prevent the encroachment of the Bloodstone Marches. Ios has long isolated itself from the affairs of mankind. Unlike rural folk, who are seen often in the cities abroad, the Iosans have kept to themselves. Yet, from within their well-fortified borders, a sect devoted to the eradication of human arcanists have risen in an effort to preserve their dying gods. Once on the fringe group, they have found a steadily growing voice within the nation, drawing many great powers of Ios to their cause. South of Ord and Lael is the mighty nation of Signar, long Kodor's hated enemy. Signar is a large kingdom rich in resources and fertile lands. Accordingly, it boasts the largest population and one of the mightiest militaries in western Amorin. It holds the southern peninsula along the broken coast and thereby has the longest stretch of shoreline of any of the Iron Kingdoms, with a powerful navy to match. As, as large as the kingdom appears on the map, much of its southern and western lands are covered with dense mountains of warm wall, uncivilized and treacherous peaks never tamed by man. It is a diverse nation with strong-willed and well-educated populace, but its leaders sometimes become distracted 
by internal disagreements, impeding their ability to commit to decisive action. For all Signar's power and wealth, its standing is perilous. It is surrounded by enemies, and for years it has beset on every side. In addition to its Cadoran rivals to the north, it must guard against the Protectorate of Minith to the east and Crix to the west. Even the wasteland of the Bloodstone Marches that occupies much of the northeastern border has become a menace, disgorging the aggressive scorn to assail them. That Signar still stands against so many is a testament to the resolve of its people as much as the strength of its arms. Crix exists apart from the other powers as a collection of horrors and abominations that barely qualifies as a nation. Southwest of Signar, across the broken coast, amid the swampy and rank scarred islands, dwells immortal and unimaginable powerful creatures that are a plague upon the living. There are people who live in Crix as well, but their lives are not the same as those who dwell elsewhere. In Crix, the dead walk alongside the living, and the land is tainted by the unholy radiance of the dragon who rules the empire and forces his vassals to worship him as a god. The only way for a Crix citizen to rise above the misery of their squalid lives is to serve the dragon in any capacity he demands. Many become brutal pirates and raiders and spend their lives preying on others. The place would be foul enough where its citizens confined to the island, but they scour the main coastline on countless ships geared for war and slaughter. In recent years, the raiders have become increasingly brazen in their attacks. Crixian armies are now infiltrating the mainland, there to dwell in the shadows and strike relentless at the nations of the living. And next chapter, Meneth, the Creator. Throughout the existence of mankind has known many gods, but Meneth is man's first and eldest god, the Creator. Rising self-made from the formless chaos that predated creation and to shape Cain, Meneth took form pleasing to him. He strode Cain, and humanity arose as he passed across the waves, retreating from the shores. In time, mankind gathered into tribes and was left to fend for itself. Meneth turned away to impose order upon the land and establish the divide between night and day in the cycles of life and death. Out of the primordial chaos also rose the devourer worm, called the Beast of All Shapes, a ravening horror that would become Meneth's greatest foe. Where areas Meneth gave rise to humanity, the devourer spawned the beast of the wilderness. Where areas Meneth brought order, the devourer destroyed to feed its endless hunger. Meneth knew the devourer as his enemy, and from that point they clashed amid the endless hunt. This conflict has occupied them since the dawn of creation. Eventually, this chase led Meneth to Urcane, the land of the dead, where the souls of those who perished on Cain eventually travel. To shelter the slain, Meneth has built the city of man and surrounded it with great walls. He was occupied by his battles with the devourer worm, and he had no attention to spare for humanity, whose scattered tribes he left to their own devices. For a time beyond reckoning, mankind roamed in Morin, and wild and savage tribes incapable of recording their deeds. Much of humanity forgot their creator and turned to the veneration of the beast of the wild. They worshipped the wolf, the bear, the eagle, and the serpent, and they carved totems in supplication to the devourer worm. Even in the time of darkness, there were those who remembered their creator and who journeyed to meet him in Urcane when they died. 
These faithful worshipers joined Meneth in his battles, lending their strength as they were able. From Meneth learned that much of humanity had forgotten him. Meneth became wrathful and returned his attention to Cain. In the face of an angry god, many tribes gave up their false worship and returned to their creator's embrace, while others fled deeper into the wilderness and became something other than men. Next chapter, Ancient Histories of the Iron Kingdoms. Meneth took pity upon the tribes that repented and begged his mercy. He bestowed upon them the foundation of civilization, the flame, the wall, the sheaf, and law, so that they would grow strong and worthy of their creator. The flame embodies the spirit of faith, but also the fire that drives back the darkness. The wall represents the knowledge of construction and fortification that enables humanity to settle the wilderness. The sheaf symbolizes knowledge of agriculture, allowing men to till the earth, sow seeds, and harvest grain to grow their numbers. The law represents the compact between humanity and their God, as well as the fundamental rules of civilization. Meneth then chose the first priest to bind men together and teach them law, and they named him the lawgiver. Under the divine guidance, these priests established the first villages and farming communities, which in turn grew into the earliest towns and cities of man. As evidence, in Caspia, the city of Walls, some of the oldest structures standing today are built on the bones of those first settlements. All who walk in the streets recognize Caspia as among the grandest of man's works. It, its time-worn vistas mark the entire course of man's history, brick by brick. Once known as Calasia, it was the home of the priest-king Gullivant, who beat back the Mulgar tribes and erected the Great Wall against them, and who gave his people the first taste of true order. During that period, another fierce and pious warrior arose to unite his people in the north. Many of the tribes dwelling in this harsh, untamed wilderness in the north had turned from the worship of the Creator to venerate the beast of all shapes, the devourer worm. Kardavik was a horse lord of the northern plains who felt a calling to purge his people of their corruption and established the kingdom under Meenet's law. By the time of his death, Kardarvik had converted over a million savages to the lawgiver, spreading Menite faith across the land of what would one day be Kodor. Though the spread of the Menite faith and the defeat of the Mulgar allowed civilizations to take hold across western Amor, humanity still waged war with reckless abandon. Ambitious lords seized every fertile plot of ground or marginalized defense hillocks, fighting not only for survival, but to expand their territorial holds. Some believe it was Meenet's will, a means to test the strength of both rulers and the ruled. Alrighty, class, uh, that will have to do it for today. I have some prior engagements to field test some devices with Professor Nemo. Not entirely sure what we are testing, uh, but I will be sure to bring my rubber gloves. Next week, we'll be continuing our reflections on the Iron Kingdom with the, with the rise of the twins, which is a fascinating story about how you can ascend to your godhood. Also, a bit of homework for you. Uh, if you don't already play War Machines and Hordes, please go to privateyourpress.com where you can check out all the factions and learn how to play yourselves and start your own group. Uh, if you've enjoyed my first podcast, please subscribe for more lectures on our both this channel and our YouTube channel as well, both under the same name. Thank you so much for attending, and thank you, Privateer Press, for letting me use your material. And we'll see you guys next time. Class, 
is dismissed.